Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. We're uh, continuing our series called Disciple, and uh, we've been in this series talking about what a disciple looks like. What is a disciple of Jesus Christ? Today, we're going to look at a, a, a passage of Scripture that is considered by a lot of theologians one of the hard sayings of Jesus. It's actually, there's a book by F.F. F. Bruce called The Hard Sayings of Jesus, where it, one of the, these, in that book, these are one of, this, this passage is one of those passages that he's discussing. It's one of those sayings of Jesus that are, is demanding, that what Jesus puts out there is hard sometimes to, to swallow, to take in, you know? And so we're going to be looking at this passage. The reason I'm talking about this on the front end is because I want to clarify and possibly challenge some of you here this morning on the notion that we have oftentimes, culturally at least, that we have about Jesus. Look, there's no question, there's no question that Jesus is love. There is no question, biblically speaking, there's no question that his mercy and his compassion are without end. There is no question that he is long-suffering towards you and I in our sin, that he wants us to come close to him, that he wants us to be in relationship. There is no question about those things. But unfortunately, these realities have caused some people to think that being a follower, a disciple of Jesus is easy. Like it's somehow a free ticket or free pass to the, the life of salvation is a free pass of just kind of go, go with Jesus and experience his love and that there's really no demands upon our life. So I just want to be very clear here this morning about this. Um, you know, you hear me say oftentimes when I talk about salvation, when we invite people to give their life to Jesus, the invitation most often is, will you surrender your life to him? That's the invitation. It's an invitation of surrender. And so let me just be very clear. A life with Jesus is a life of forgiveness. It's a life of grace. It's a life, a life of love and compassion. It's a life where you will experience joy unspeakable, where you will be able to go on an adventure with God like you've never even imagined. But it's also a life that will cost you everything. I'm pausing for dramatic effect. I just ruined it. So make no mistake about it. The invitation of Jesus to follow him and be his disciple is a life of surrender. We're going to be talking a little bit about that here today. In in Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 57, it says this. As they were walking along, we'll dive, dive into these verses a little bit later. But as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied to this man who says, I will follow you wherever you go. Foxes have dens to live in. The birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, so this first person, Jesus, in this passage, says, I will follow you, Jesus. Second person, Jesus actually invites him to follow him. He says, said to to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. 
Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. You see why this is labeled hard sayings of Jesus. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I mean, this is very strong language on the part of Jesus. It's challenging words. And I think oftentimes we read this passage and it's our default to, to read this. And say, yeah, I don't know what he was talking about. It's not me. And move on. Right? He uses agrarian language. He uses farming language. He says things like, grip the plow and don't look back. The Bible often uses agricultural language to help us understand our calling and purpose in life. Um, for example, God is understood as the Lord of the harvest. That's an agricultural metaphor used of God. He's the Lord of the harvest. And the implication there is that the gospel is the seed that gets planted. So we understand this. We hear the word of God. It's planted. And then the rest of this implication is that we are the workers. We're out there plowing. We're out there, we're out there sowing seed. We're out there uh, harvesting the crop. That's what we're doing. It's, a, it's an invitation to, to be a worker. Now, we don't live in an agrarian society any longer. And so this metaphor sometimes kind of falls short for us. Like... Uh, we don't always understand it well. It doesn't translate well in, in an industrial society. So there's a lot of difference, right, between working the fields. Like working the fields requires you getting dirty and it's hard work, engaging, and it's very different than sitting behind a computer screen and doing your work, right? <laughs> and yet Jesus is trying to say something here in this passage. He's telling us that we are meant to be field workers. So why don't you track with me a little bit on this um, agricultural metaphor. He's inviting you and I to be field workers, which is hard work. Like that's our job, to get out there and work. And so when Jesus says to you and he says to me, grip the plow, again, he's asking you, he's saying, this is a metaphorical language. He's saying, grip the plow means engage, don't just sit on the sidelines. Don't just check the boxes, but engage. It's a call to work. And I get it because in our culture, it's easy. It's easy for us to have a whole list of check boxes. I attend church, check. I believe the doctrine, check. Hey, I might even give in the offering, check. But then I surrender my entire being to him. Well, I'll leave that one unchecked. It's easy for us to compartmentalize in our culture. And so the call of Jesus is to engage, to not simply sit on the sidelines. So this idea comes from Luke 9. Now, to give you some context, at this point, Jesus is still very popular. There's people that are wanting to follow him. And so there's these three would-be followers of Jesus that have approached him. Um, they're interested in following him. Here's the thing, though, about these followers of Jesus, they have something in common. Like they want to follow Jesus, they want to, but they want to do it in such a way that doesn't really require a whole lot from them. Like they want to have a no strings or few strings attached to being a disciple, to being a follower of Jesus. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get the benefits, but not so close to where it's demanding. They want to attend, 
but they don't really want to engage. They want to show up, but they won't, don't really want to step up. And so Jesus basically in no uncertain terms is going to let them know that this is the expectation of being a disciple. This is what this whole series is really about, is understanding what is it that God is calling us into. It's not good enough to just embrace a cultural notion of being a Christian, that really he is inviting you and I into a life of surrender with him. I remember early on when I was new to the faith, um, reading the story of the, uh, the, the feeding of the 5,000, you know, the, the, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. It says 5,000 besides men and besides women and children. So a lot of scholars say, well, there might have been like 10 to 12 or 15,000 people there. And I would read the stories like, wow, that's pretty amazing that Jesus would take five little loaves of bread and two little fish, dried fish, and he would break it and feed 12,000 people. It just, it just would blow my mind. And I was fascinated with the whole miracle of it. But then as I you know, matured and became more you know, in the faith, I, I still appreciated the miracle of it. But I also, it's interesting in John how this story gets told because this story is told in the context of Jesus talking about him being the bread of life. Like, the miracle is amazing. Feeding thousands is amazing. But the point of the miracle is to say, he's the bread of life. And so in the story, you know, Jesus feeds the, 5, 000, the, 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 the multitude and, and, they, uh, and they go to sleep that night. Next morning, Jesus and his disciples wake up early. They end up on a boat, cross the Sea of Galilee to the other side. When the rest of the crowd wakes up, they're like, wait a minute, where's the breakfast buffet? Like last night was awesome. We had so much food and now, now they're gone. Where is it? And so in the story you read that they then take boats and they run to the other side of the Sea of Galilee to meet up with Jesus again. Jesus discerns that they, the only reason that they're there is for the food. And that's where he says, hey guys, listen, I'm the bread of life. Look, I know you want to eat food, food, regular food, but there's a satisfaction that you will have when you enter into a relationship with me that you cannot find by fish and loaves. I'm the bread of life. And they're kind of like, they're acting like, I don't understand. Just give us food. I want a breakfast, you know, and that's how they're acting. And so Jesus makes this really hard statement. He says, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. He's not literally saying that, but that's what he says. And here's what it says in John 6:66. right after he says that statement. At this point, many of, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. At this point, many disciples turned away and deserted him. Now, as I read this whole passage and I look at the context of it, I realize what strikes me about this whole passage is that Jesus didn't mind that. Like Jesus didn't, when, he, when, when this happened, and they started going away, he said, man, I can't follow this guy, I'm out of here. When, he said, when they said that, Jesus didn't say, hey, hey, people are leaving the church, guys, come on, let's get an ice cream social worked up so that, so that we can keep people here. He didn't go out of his way, he didn't chase them down. It was just a reality, they left. See, Jesus seemed okay with the fact that some of the crowd went home. But those that were left were the people who really wanted to follow him. 
And so here at Life Church, we want people to come and enjoy the experience. We want them to walk through these doors and feel welcome, not just welcome, but wanted. We want people to be able to ask questions and discover. We want them to feel wanted in this place. Often I say, come just as you are, but don't stay that way. And I can't tell you the number of times I've been challenged with that statement. Either they challenge me on the front half of that statement, like, what do you mean come to, you mean anybody can come here? I'm like, yeah, anybody can come here. And then others challenge me on the back end of that statement, but don't, what do you mean? You mean, you mean we have to actually change? Yeah, like it's, there's, there's challenge from both sides oftentimes, and I find myself in the middle. But here's the deal, there comes a time where a decision needs to be made, a choice needs to be made, where we need to step past the line and commit because ultimately what will define your life are the commitments that you make to Jesus Christ. What defines your life as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, will be the commitment, I'm using that word very intentionally, the commitment that you make, the commitments you make to Jesus. <clears throat> Some of the most unhappy people I know are the ones who are half in, and half out. Like they want to follow Jesus, but they're just not sure if they want to do all of it. And so Jesus calls us to grip the plow and to not look back. Basically saying, go all in for me. Right? Now the passage in Luke 9 that we read is, that in the NIV it has this heading, the cost of the cost of following Jesus. This is the, if you're reading in the, in the Gospels, okay, so let me just give you a little bit of a Bible, biblical understanding here. There's going to be a little heading in the NIV version. A little heading says the cost of following Jesus. This was not written by the gospel writer. This is just organization by the, those who interpreted the Bible to say this next passage is written by this gospel writer, but this is just a heading, okay? And so the way they, in the NIV, the way they head the passage that we read today is the cost of following Jesus, okay? So there's these three would-be followers. The first one comes to Jesus, and he says to him in verse 57, I will follow you wherever you go. And he uses the word wherever, which is actually a really good word, by the way. This implies commitment. This implies, look, I'm all in for you. There's no conditions. I'm not negotiating here. You are my Lord. That's the implication. But I think Jesus kind of knows about this guy a little bit, understands him. So he puts that that, that, that thing that he says, I'll follow you wherever you go, he puts it to the test and he says this to him in verse 58. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and the birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. It's like, I'm homeless, bro. You know that, right? <laughs> I don't have a place to live. And so if you want to follow me, just know that we're sleeping here tonight in the open sky. What he does is he puts his man at a crossroads like a choice, so to speak. And at this fork, this way is comfort. This way is following Jesus. And we have to choose between following Jesus sometimes and comfort. We have to choose between what is God's dream for us and what is the American dream. And oftentimes we find ourselves struggling to make that choice, make that decision. 
This is the same passage in, in, uh, that Paul, that, that, that Jesus is speaking in, in, in later in the passage. He says, he says, if anyone wants to fo- be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and fo- daily, and follow me. He uses a language here that is very offensive language. He's using the word cross here. For his listeners, those who are listening are saying, wait a minute, cross? You mean like what the Romans do? Like they crucify people and they kill people? You mean that's what I have to do is I have to carry a cross? Are you kidding me? It's offensive language. It's not comfortable language. I think sometimes what we mean when we say I'll follow you wherever you go, what we're saying is, yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go as long as where you're going is where I'm going. (laughs) Right? It's, it's just human nature in many ways. Christy and I, we, we sometimes go out to eat. We don't go out too often, but sometimes we go out to eat, and I'll say to her as we're going out, I'll say, hey, so uh, where do you, you want to eat? And most of the time she'll say, well, I don't know, you pick. Right? Like it's my choice. And I'll say, okay, well, let's, how about Mexican food? She's like, nah, we just had Mexican this week. I said, okay, how about Olive Garden? She's like, ah, too many carbs. <laughs> um, okay, um, sushi. She's like, ah, I hate sushi. <laughs> okay, how about Thai food? She's like, okay, fine, we'll go eat Thai food, but I get to choose next time. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. You chose in the first place, right? I think this is what we do with Jesus sometimes. Like, Jesus, I want to do whatever you want me to do, Jesus, as long as what you want me to do is what I want to do. Jesus, I, I will date whoever you want me to date as long as the person you want me to date is that girl sitting right over there. Jesus, I will go wherever you want me to go as long as you don't call me to the mission field. So we say whatever, but I don't think we really mean uh, or wherever but I don't think we really mean wherever. So saying yes to Jesus most often means saying no to myself. And saying no to me is not comfortable. But listen, don't, don't you for a minute think that what I'm saying, that saying no to me is not fulfilling. That saying no to me is not soul satisfying. 18 years ago, we started this church, and it was exciting at the beginning. Man, we were talking about vision and whatever, and this church, and awesome. It was super exciting. But if you'll ask my wife, if you'll ask my kids, if you'll ask Anna Carey, who's sitting back there, or Chris Carey, along the way, they'll say, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of uncomfortable things that happened in the process of starting this church. It was not always easy. But there was a commitment on the front end to see this happen. Sleeping on a hard floor with mosquitoes flying all around you in Bangladesh was not, it was not comfortable at all. But it was incredibly soul satisfying. And so as a church, we will not stop saying yes to Jesus. We will always say yes to Jesus. Whatever he invites us to do. I'm not saying as a church, like corporately as a church. I'm saying us, the body of Christ that calls himself part of Life Church. We will say yes to Jesus and not no. Yes, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, yes will always be our response. That means that we will commit to doing the hard things. Yes to Jesus sometimes means uncomfortable. 
Like God is calling us as a body to seek and to save that which is lost. There are lost people in this community that need Jesus, and sometimes seeking them out and getting them saved is the hardest thing you will ever do. But we're not gonna say no. We're gonna say yes. Yes, we're, we're in, we're gonna do whatever it takes. He goes on in verse 59. <clears throat> says, he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, okay, so this is the second guy. The first guy, he said, hey, I'll go wherever you want me to go, and Jesus figured that out. The second guy, he, says, he said to him, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, here's his response. First, let me go bury my father. First, okay, he uses his language. First, let me go bury my father. Jesus replies, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. At which point we're like, well, that's not very pastoral on Jesus' part. Like, come on, Jesus, that's his dad. Like, why would you say something so harsh? A lot of commentators have agreed that what this guy was actually saying was, when my dad dies, then I will follow you. When my dad dies, I will follow when, when, when you. The, when the estate is settled and I'm financially secure, then I'll follow you. When I've got all the business done that I want to get done, then, then, then I'll follow you. That's really what this guy is actually, how he's responding, Right? So he says, first, let me. Look, anytime Jesus calls you to do something and your immediate response is, first, <laughs> there's probably a problem there. Probably is, right? Because what it says is that you're putting off for later what God is calling you to do right now. What is God calling you to do right now? Obedience and tomorrow usually don't go very well. When we hear God speak to us, say, hey, Rich, I want you to do this. I want you to go talk to that person and repent and ask for forgiveness. And I, and I say, well, first, let me, yeah, I got to do all these other things. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. It doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. <clears throat> like the land of tomorrow is where you find unfulfilled dreams. The land of tomorrow is where you find disappointment and dissatisfaction. I have way too many friends who said, not today, but tomorrow. And that's where they're at. People I've walked with over a long period of time. Listen, today is a day, and now is a time to say yes to Jesus. And so where do you, here this morning, where do you need to say yes to Jesus? Where you know there's just been nagging going on inside of your spirit, like God is challenging you, he's calling you, he's inviting you into a, a different life, and it's uncomfortable you're not sure that you really want to go down that path, but he's inviting you, he's calling you, and you need to say yes. Where do you need to say yes to Jesus is the question. <clears throat> then there's, we see the last person in this story, the, the third guy. It's kind of a similar response to the previous guy. In verse 61, he says, still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, he used the same language, first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand, look, just like, man, Jesus, take it easy, right? No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And the implication here, again, is the same thing, but it's a little bit different. The implication is, is that Jesus is looking and saying, you're here now. Why do you want to go back? Like, you're already here. Like you've already signed up. 
You've already enlisted. Why are you wanting to go back? Why are you rethinking your commitment? Now, Jesus doesn't say this to this man to make his life difficult. Just so you know, the call to follow Christ, I, as I said in the front end, it's not easy, but it's incredibly fulfilling. It's incredibly soul-satisfying. Jesus is not trying to make this person's life difficult. He loves him. And he knows that the only peace, the only joy, the only fulfillment that he will ever truly experience that's satisfying is in a life completely surrendered to him. And I believe he's saying that to you and I here this morning as well. That's exactly the crossroads I found myself at in 1983, in November of 1983, sitting on the side of Interstate 20 between Arlington, Texas, and Dallas. I'd pulled over on the side. I'd been listening to some music, Keith Green music, and um, just weeping in that car, and the Holy Spirit just descended into that vehicle, and I was making these commitments to the Lord. Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do, even at the expense of, of it, if it costs me something, if, it, if, it, if I have to give up security and safety, God, I just want to do whatever you want me to do. I was listening to this Keith Green song, Keith Green song called uh, I Pledge My Head to Heaven. I chuckle about that song only because that, <laughs> um, that was a song that we had sung in our wedding, Christy and I. And uh, if you know the lyrics of that song, it's like, it's not a typical wedding song, okay, just so you know. It's like, it really is about commitment. It has three verses, and all three verses are about, you know, commitment. Um, the first verse, it says, I pledge my head, meaning I pledge my entire life. And I think in Keith Green's mind, he was probably saying, like, literally, my head, too, in case. I pledge my head to heaven for the gospel. The second verse says, I pledge my wife to heaven for the gospel. Like, I will never idolize my wife over you, God. I'll never do that. Third verse says, I pledge my son to heaven for the gospel. I will never idolize my children above you, God. And each one of those commitments is followed with this line. No matter whatever the cost, I'm going to count it all lost. And he's telling something that Jesus is telling us here in Luke. That sometimes following him is not easy. But it's incredibly fulfilling. Along the way... That was 40 years ago, 40 plus years ago. And along the way, I've had to remind myself of this commitment I made. There's been times, let me tell you something, guys. There's been times, especially like in the last several years, where there's been so much polarization in our culture and so much division and so much difficulty and challenge going on that I have wanted, like I've had these conversations with God. Can I just let go, Lord? I've, like I've held on to the plow for 40 years. Can I let go now? Like, God, can you just pat me on the back and say, good job for 40 years. You, you can go now. <laughs> and then I'm reminded that for 40 years, in the darkest of times, he's been with me. For 40 years, I'm reminded that after plowing and plowing and seeding, that the harvest will come. After 40 years, I've discovered that <clears throat> Not discovered, but I've, I'm, I realize that this home is not my home, right? That I'm just a sojourner in this, in this world, and it's just true for all of us, right? If you're a follower of Christ, this, this is not your home. You're just passing through. 
right? That we have an eternal home. And so I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, will you grip the plow and not look back? I don't know what that means for some of you here this morning. Some of you have to make a decision, have to make a commitment to say, Jesus, yes, I'm, I, there's that relationship I'm in, and, I, and I'm kind of torn because I really want to follow you, Jesus, but this person I'm in relationship with is kind of pulling me away, and I, I, I know that I need to break it off. I know I need to end that relationship, but, but Jesus, it's so hard. Or Jesus, I know, I know that you want me to be generous with my, with my resources and my finances. I know you want me to give, but I'm afraid that you know, my, my needs are not going to be met. And so and we find ourselves at this crossroads. And I think Jesus says to all of us here this morning, grip the plow, grip the plow don't look back. Grip the plow, don't look back. And so what I want you to do is I'm inviting you. Let's all stand right now across all our campuses. You'll stand. Today's invitation is an invitation to commitment. I have a little thing up here. You can take that uh, little com- connection card in front in the seat back in front of you and uh, ask you to, to basically fill in this blank, okay? If you're here and the Holy Spirit is convicting you and the Holy Spirit is inviting you to say yes to Jesus and no to yourself, the Holy Spirit is telling you now, today is the day to make this commitment. You will be defined by the commitments you make to Jesus. You will be defined by the commitments that you make to Jesus. Here's a few that I've, examples that I've heard along the way, along for the several years now. I commit to listening more and talking less. I commit to getting to know my neighbors by name and praying for them. I commit to affirming my wife daily. I commit to praying daily. I commit to reading God's word daily starting today. I commit to start tithing and break the fear of doing without. I commit to going on a missions trip. Some of you in this room, you've toyed around with going on a missions trip. Like you want to. We've got these trips that we schedule and you want to go. But then something happens and you pull back. I I commit to surrendering my plans and my life to Jesus. Another one I've heard. Yesterday in men's group, we were sitting around talking, and one person said, there's another one I heard yesterday. I commit to following through on the promptings that the Holy Spirit puts in my life. All of us are humans that are walking through life that want to have a relationship with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes along and says, hey, why don't you... Why don't you do this? Why don't you stop doing that? And you hear it. You know it's God. But then kind of put it off. Not today, Lord. And so will you do that? Be as specific as possible. If you want to be anonymous, that's fine. You can be anonymous on that communication card. Let us know what today, what commitments you're making today. And then let's follow through with it. Amen. We'd like, the reason I want those cards is because I want to be able to pray with you as you tell us what you feel like God's calling you to commit to. I want us to be our prayer team to pray with you. And we want to see breakthrough in this church. We want to see God doing miracles in this church as you make your commitments to him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you, Jesus, this morning for who you are. 
for what you're doing. I thank you, Father, that you are inviting us into a journey, a life that is incredibly soul-satisfying, that is incredibly fulfilling, that we will experience joys beyond measure. We'll experience your love, your grace, your compassion like never before. And also, Lord, it's a life of saying no to me and yes to you. So today, Father, collectively as a body, we say no to our own wills and desires, and we say yes, Jesus, to whatever it is that you're calling us to do. We surrender, Lord. We surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's portion together.